Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me, and welcome to the first episode of 2020. Really excited to be back. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about some of the UK's most haunted. Uh, I've just come back from a five-week holiday uh, over in that part of the world, and I got to go to a few different places, and since being home, uh, I've sort of been fixated on you know some of these locations, just reading about accounts and people's um, experiences in some of these sites, and it's all I've kind of been able to think about um, for the last little while, so I thought, you know, let's... Uh, um, just get back to the new year with, uh, you know, some ghost stories, I suppose. Um, you know, some of uh, some of my favourite stuff to talk about uh, here on the podcast. But just before we go any further, though, um, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. And uh, it also helps if you leave us a five-star rating as well. Uh, it helps us move up in any sort of podcast ranks or charting sort of systems and just helps more people find uh, the podcast. So that would be greatly appreciated. We're on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a blog, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. All this is in a link in the description of this podcast, so feel free to check any of that stuff out. Just before, as well, we jump into the episode, uh, I've just got one thing to say, and it's uh, it has to do with what's going on in Australia at the moment. Um, as I'm sure probably a lot of you know, is we're having the worst bushfires uh, the country's ever seen. Um, and as I said, I've kind of been away. I was away all through, like, all of December, before that as well, I was doing um, some other projects. So I was, you know, I haven't really been in one spot for like, you know, maybe more than two weeks at a time since uh, October last year or thereabouts. So uh, it's it's sort of been like a hectic time. But now coming back, um, you know, it's sort of back to reality and the country is in such a such a state. It's really, um, it's really bad and the, the reason I'm bringing it up is because a lot of you reached out through um, Facebook, Instagram, even uh, leaving reviews of the podcast, just checking in to see if um, there was any reason uh, I hadn't been posting, if, you know, that had to do with any of these fires. And thankfully, no, I haven't been affected or no one that I know personally has been. Uh, obviously, a lot of people have. A lot of people lost everything all their possessions, their homes. Over a billion of our native uh, animals have also uh, been destroyed in the fire as well. So there will be a, another link in the description of this episode if you want to help out um, the people who are trying to rescue our wildlife. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. It was really full on actually to 
for you guys, you know, to hear from some of you just to be checking in because, you know, it's, I don't know, it's so bizarre when um, people from all around the world, you know, I guess know where you come from and care and they uh, they check in. So that, it honestly like meant a lot and it kind of uh, made me really want to start getting back to the episode, uh, into the podcast because I didn't want people to think anything had happened. I've literally just, I've actually kind of been on holiday. That's kind of why I haven't been posting. It has nothing to do with uh, the tragic fires that are, you know, uh, really destroying uh, a lot of well, a lot of aspects of the uh, of Australia at the moment. But um, thank you though for everyone uh, for your kind messages. Really does mean a lot, even though I've you know haven't been affected. But uh, it's just nice to know that you guys care. So thank you. As I said, yes, I spent about five weeks in the UK. Went to obviously England. Spent a few days in Paris. Uh, went to Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. So. Um, over that time, I made sure I wanted to see some pretty historical sites, in my opinion. So I went and saw, you know, Stonehenge. Uh, probably one of the biggest highlights was actually going to Loch Ness in Scotland. Uh, that was just unreal. If For anyone who ever gets to go, definitely do a tour or hire a car, get up there and see that part of the world. Uh, it was unreal, in all honesty. Like, I've done an episode on um, the Loch Ness Monster it's just a whole other thing to go and actually see the site and, um, you know, do a boat tour out onto the lock. And it's just, it's, it's baffling, you know, and everyone who is in that sort of part of Scotland is kind of there for one reason. It's because, you know, they have heard about this legend and majority people, um, who are on the tour I was on didn't believe, and that's totally fine, but it's kind of like that part of the world's interest to believe and kind of make, um, to tell those stories, to get people to come in, and it, it works. I took a vial of water, uh, went down to the shore of the lock. So sitting here on my desk right in front of me, I've got a like 100ml bottle full of uh, water from the lock uh, as a memento. So rather than speaking about some locations that I haven't actually been to, I thought I would just speak about three that I saw on this last trip. One of the sites being uh, very early on in the trip when I was in London, uh, we went and checked out the Tower of London and obviously I knew of it as being, you know, a prison and also like an execution site. Uh, there's obviously a lot more to it. Um, you know, it, it houses the um, Crown's Jewels. Um, it obviously was also a residence for the royals um, at different times. And it's a museum now, right? So there's a lot of um, tour guides getting around. Um, the, the unfortunate thing I find with museums, it's either something preserved the way it was. So you walk in and it was just as if the... Whoever was living there or whatever that site was, it's just like it was left the way it was. Um, the Tower of London isn't really like that. Um, the White Tower, which is, uh, you know, quite notorious for actually being the haunted sort of site uh, on the building, uh, is now practically like a museum. You kind of walk through the rooms and there's artifacts everywhere, which is, you know, it's interesting, don't get me wrong, but there's something about kind of seeing a room, how it was and... I don't know. It's it is one thing too, to sort of be in like almost these gruesome kind of locations, and there's just people everywhere, and there's like school groups on tours. Like it is it is hard to sort of put yourself in um, the mindset of what was kind of going on at that time when the situations like that. But that's one thing I found with the Tower of London. Anyway, it was interesting, but it, it's kind of not what I like to kind of see. But obviously, when I was there, I would have loved to have actually tried to get some recordings of some of the staff. Uh, and I kind of want to do that all through the holiday, but it kind of just didn't happen. You know, I I was constantly thinking, obviously, about um, the paranormal and obviously a lot of um, 
more so down the line of spirits and ghosts because it is such an old part of the world that um, you just go and sit in a pub having a pint and uh, you just it's just that thing of like if the wolves could talk because there's I'm sure there's been some interesting people who have uh, you know probably died not too far away from some of those places and you know I'm sure they're just still going in for um, you know the local lager and whatever and just shooting the shit but um, anyway just back to the Tower of London I know I don't know why I got onto that then but. Uh, that's what I'd rather be doing right now, I must say. Just still sitting in pubs in London, just, you know, getting on it. But anyway, we're here doing this now. So uh, the Tower of London, uh, it's obviously quite an old site. It's There's a multitude of buildings there. Uh, but the original, the first building was built in uh, 1066. And as I said, it's it the residence has uh, housed a lot of different um, purposes over the time. Now it is a working museum. I think they do do like events and such there because um, there is a church on site as well which uh, a lot of the a lot of royal members and uh, higher-ups have been buried under the ground of the uh, church so I know there's um, I think they do do services in there and so on so uh, but for the most part it's now a museum um, but over the time as I said a lot of executions uh, went on there and executions um, the time uh, in London there uh, were beheadings usually by an axe and usually um, beheading apparently is the most more, most humane and least painful way to go if they, you know, get your head in that first hit, uh, which often I think was the case, but sometimes no. Like I know there's been people who had to have had, you know, about 11, uh, 11 goes, like the executioner had to strike them 11 times for them actually to die. It's it's interesting though, that concept and obviously, you know, the whole thing of it was a public event, as we all know, uh, executions were the entertainment back in those days. So it definitely, it is interesting to stand in a site where a lot of that has gone on and the fact that, you know, people just like us, that would have been our entertainment. So I do like that sort of part of history. It's really kind of dark, but really fascinating, I'd say. But uh, in terms of hauntings, the biggest, uh, the, the thing that came up the most would have been Queen Henry VIII's second wife, who was Queen Anne Boleyn. First of all, she was imprisoned, she was executed and buried within uh, the Tower of London. So, you know, that's that's got to say something where you've kind of, your you, last part of your life and I suppose the rest of your afterlife is held within those walls. So I'm sure some of you probably know the story of King Henry. Uh, he was quite a notorious king, had a bunch of wives because he was trying to obviously produce a son to you know become the heir of the throne. But uh, his second wife didn't uh, give him that. I believe she uh, mothered a daughter and then had a bunch of miscarriages. And I believe because of those uh, miscarriages, it was believed that she was having uh, an affair with multiple men. So obviously this is illegal. King Henry's not going to stand for it. Queen Anne Boleyn was sentenced to death. 1563, she was beheaded. The historians actually believe that she was innocent. She actually wasn't, you know, fooling around with uh, other boys. It, You know, yes, she was faithful, but uh, she still had this um, cruel fate. And that's why it's believed that she actually still haunts the Tower of London. Uh, people believe they see her entity walking around with her head actually under her arm. Uh, a lot of people actually say they just sense her as well. Um, rather than seeing, so, you know, cold spots. I think that's a lot of the uh, activity that goes on there is kind of a lot of uh, feeling like there are entities around and apparently people also do hear 
um, Wales and such, there were two young princes. No one really knows what happened to them. It's believed they were killed there at um, the tower, but it's not actually proven. It's believed that they were just kind of, uh, they disappeared. But uh, apparently two young um, spirits were actually seen uh, sort of cowering and quite frightened. People almost want to go to them and sort of, you know, offer them some sort of support uh, for these two little uh, ghost boys. So there's a few different things that go on there. It's interesting because I think uh, it's said to be one of the most haunted places in England. Uh, I'd say it's probably the most famous, you know, because I guess if you've got queens and um, lords kind of haunting the place, then yeah, it might not be the most haunted, but you're probably looking at some of the most famous ghosts that are in a location. The Tower of London, I would definitely say it, it definitely has an interesting um, atmosphere. But once again, it is such a popular site. And I feel like probably for the most part, everywhere I sort of went on this holiday was a bit like that. You know, you didn't really get a ton of time um, to yourself to kind of just submerge yourself. And like, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really get to go and do any uh, small ghost tours or hunts per se. It was kind of, you know, your bigger group walking tour and such, which is fine. Because um, it's just, you know, all about that experience. They even did a ghost bus in York, which was sort of, you know, where it's it's very entertaining. But they, they tell you some stories as well, but it's kind of, you know, it's interactive and it's it all, you get a bit caught up. So that was the Tower of London anyway. So this next location is the one I'm probably most excited about talking about and um, the one you probably don't really expect. Under London, there are quite some kilometres of tunnel and millions of people enter these tunnels every day to commute to work or wherever. I'm talking about the London Underground, also known as the Tube. So it's interesting because while I was over in London, I used the Tube quite a fair bit. Uh, I'm actually quite a fan of railways and locomotives. So I actually yeah, really enjoyed how their metro network worked over there. I don't know. I just like the idea of you get on the platform and there's a train within, you know, easily 10 minutes. Uh, where I come from, uh, if you missed a train, you'd have to easily wait up to 20 to 40 minutes for the next sort of express uh, service to come. So really uh, actually enjoyed getting around the city uh, using this network. Now, when it was time to look into some of the most haunted locations in the UK, I didn't really think about the underground and it wasn't really one that was coming up as you know a main result when I was doing some research. But I did just kind of happen to stumble across the concept of the underground being haunted. And as soon as I saw that, I was instantly hooked. I knew even before reading anything, I was like, of course, there would have to be uh, a couple spirits, you know, looming around down in those tunnels, uh, you know. An obvious reason would be the amount of people who travel on the um, services every day down there, uh, the amount of people who, you know, obviously uh, over those years of them actually constructing all the tunnels who, you know, could have been in accidents, people committing suicide, you know, even just people who I guess are probably stuck in that loop of, not knowing that they're actually deceased and they're probably, you know, on the commute to work or what kind of have you. So there's obviously a lot of, there's a lot of ways you can kind of look at this into kind of believing that this actually could be probably one of the most haunted places in the United Kingdom. So the underground was the world's first underground railway network and it opened in 1863. I didn't actually realise it was that old. Um, I thought it was, you know, probably closer to like the 40s, 50s, that sort of era. But, you know, it'd been around for quite some years beforehand. So they actually used to run steam locomotives in the tunnels, which you could imagine um, a steam engine pulling up 
a lot of smoke, a lot of soot, uh, probably would be quite unpleasant. So one thing with Europe is there was a lot of death, right, back in the early days of medicine and such where uh, the plague would sort of run rampant and uh, a lot of people were very unlucky to, you know, meet quite an early death uh, back in those days. So over 15% of London's population uh, got wiped out between 1665 and 1666 alone. Over 100,000 people actually uh, died due to the plague in the space of two years. So that was a thing all through Europe, right? A lot of people dying. They didn't really know what to do with the bodies. No one really wanted to touch them because they were diseased. Uh, so they just would dig pits and throw the bodies in. No, no funeral, no proper burial, no coffin, nothing like that. Just pretty much throw them in the ground, you know, hundreds of them uh, at the time and cover them up. And that's sort of the end of it, right? So these were called plague pits. Now, there was rumour to believe that when the London Underground was built that it was actually designed to avoid plague pits. So that's kind of why the track kind of looks like it uh, swerves a fair bit rather than going in a straight line. Now, that could be the case, but when you actually do look into it, that's not so much um, the reasoning why the track kind of goes in a certain way. Turns out that the underground actually had to buy private land above uh, where they were digging these tunnels. They would actually have to buy that land in case the tunnel was to collapse and, you know, whatever property above might actually fall onto the earth. The track was actually kind of developed to avoid any privately owned areas. So it was all public. So, you know, it wasn't too much of a dilemma. So, so that sort of debunks that myth anyway. But it still doesn't mean that uh, bodies were not found whilst they were building the underground. So this is from a 19th century newspaper, The Standard. Someone had written that the North London Railway, complaining of the manner in which certain human remains were found in excavating the ground for one of their stations in the city. That's really all it actually says. It doesn't really go into any more detail, but there is mention there of uh, remains being found. And even up until quite modern times, in 1992, 160 skeletons uh, were actually found. This was while they were actually tunnelling uh, the Jubilee line extensions. So it took 21 years to create this new Jubilee line extension and apparently uh, over that time 647 graves were actually excavated from the ground. So obviously you can see here we've moved uh, a couple hundred bodies uh, and also, you know, disturbed the dead. So if you want to believe that digging someone up and reburying them or what, what sort of have you, disturbing the dead could, you know, lead to certain hauntings or, you know, uh, a certain spirit who might not be, you know, laid to rest the correct way, then as you can see here, building tunnels under the ground is, uh, could actually potentially have some reasoning to why there might actually be some hauntings going on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Now, a lot of the stories come from underground employees such as you know drivers guardsmen station managers all, all sorts of walks of life there's a lot of there's a massive team to you know actually make a metro uh railway like the underground work every day um one story that i loved hearing from was uh someone who's walking the track um one night so every night when the railway closes people will walk by themselves through these you know hundreds of meters of tunnels um to you know, check the check the lines. You know, whatever might have gotten in there, who knows? So that's their job to go and inspect this track. This employee was doing. I think it was his first time doing it, and he was by himself, and he's walking through the tunnel, and he came up to a another employee who was working on the line. Um, but the thing that was interesting about um, this figure was that they weren't using a conventional torch with batteries. You know, I think this was. Um, probably in the last 20, 30 years. So, you know, they should have been using something kind of like that. But instead they were using a tilly lamp, as they like to describe. It's pretty much, you know, like an old oil-burning kind of lamp. And it was odd to be using something like that, probably due to health and safety reasons and having fire um, down the tunnels. So um, this employee started uh, having a conversation saying, you know, oh, interesting why you use the old lamp. And he's like, oh, well, I just prefer using it you know i think it's better and he kind of you know had a brief conversation about you know the part of the line uh where they kind of were in the in the system and then he kind of set off on his way and went okay fair enough guys just doing some maintenance uh he continues on and when he gets out of the tunnel he you know calls up whomever um who needs to know that he has cleared the tracks uh, he's out of the tunnel. Uh, but then he goes on to mention that, but there is a maintenance worker in the tunnel as well. Um, so just letting you know there is someone down there. Uh, but the other thing was that there was no one scheduled to be uh, fixing that part of the track that night. So so they put a search together because they obviously can't open up the, the line if there's someone in the tunnel. So um, one person is on one end of the track, someone on the other end, and they walk and meet in the middle. No maintenance worker was found uh, in that time. So... The guy who reported it, um, he had to go to some higher-ups and kind of answer some questions because they had to start delaying um, the next morning's trains and, you know, that's obviously a really big uh, issue. So they kind of start asking, you know, what what did you see? Because we, there's no one down there and we're delaying trains now, we're delaying the service. And, you know, he said the same sort of thing. I saw an older kind of gentleman down there with his tilly lamp working away and they're kind of like, you're having us on. You've obviously heard the uh, ghost stories of a man with his tilly lamp in the tunnels. And, you know, this guy was like, I've honestly never heard of that. 
uh, I'm just telling you what I've actually seen. And that was kind of it. You know, he didn't really think anything of it until uh, they kind of said, well, that's a ghost story that has been told for quite some years. So I think that's really interesting because how often do you hear of a report of someone actually having a conversation with a ghost and then sort of answering um, and actually being able to interact in such a way that it's a conversation or back and forth? Very eerie, I think, um, especially because that guy didn't think anything of it. Things have also been seen all throughout, like at Liverpool Station. Um, figures often show up on the CCTV cameras after, you know, the station's closed. There's not meant to be anyone down there. When they see these figures, they go, have a look. No one's actually there. So a lot of that, a lot of sort of apparitions. As I said, a lot of it is from staff members. But in 1983, a woman by the name of Karen Collette was on a train in the underground and she was there with her nephew and she took a photo of her nephew sitting on the seat and on the underground um, for anyone, you know, who's been to London or lives there, you know that all the seats are along the windows and you face uh, the people across from you. So there's obviously a window behind her nephew's head. And she took the photo and then got the film developed some months later. And in the window behind her nephew, there is a man. uh, You can't see his head, but you can see his torso and his hands. And you can see that he's strapped into a chair. And there's electricity uh, on each side of his hands. So it actually looks like a man in an electric chair. And when you see the photo, it's quite clear. It almost seems too good to be true. And people have analysed these photos and they can tell by the type of film, um, the way they can tell by the way the photo's been taken that it is by an amateur camera. So it's very hard to sort of uh, doctor anything, especially in the 80s as well, you know, it's not like today. Um, and this is actually on the physical film, so it would have to have been, you know, um, staged then and there while the photo was taken. So it's believed that they figured out who this man in the photo was. Uh, and it, it's interesting where they found this uh, man because it was at Madame Tussaud's uh, Wax Museum in London. It was located in the Chamber of Horrors section. The wax figure in the museum was of a man of the name of Bruno Hupman. He was convicted of the kidnapping and murdering of Charles Lindbergh's baby boy in 1932. When you do a comparison of the two images of the wax figure and the tube photo and you actually put them over one another, they actually line up perfectly. So it's this weird thing of, I'm not sure how this character, Bruno Hupman, is actually related to the tube. Um, there's not really any clear there's not really any clear way to figure that out but either way it's a very interesting comparison but regardless of even wondering who that is it's still a very bizarre photo that has not been you know manipulated in any way and you know I've heard that it could have been a poster on the wall but they don't put posters in the tunnels in the tube because you can't see them, right? So, and there's no evidence of this particular wax figure um featuring on any posters promoting uh, the museum or anything like that. So it's a very interesting unexplained photo of what I believe could be a ghost. So now we're heading to Edinburgh in Scotland. Now, Edinburgh definitely has a ghostly kind of vibe. I remember as soon as I got there, I literally had parked the car, um, you know, taken like 20 steps, and I'm in this like, probably the most incredible cemetery I've ever seen. It was just so old and ruined and had moss growing everywhere it was just it was picturesque you know for that kind of real spooky kind of atmosphere when I was there I wanted to do the Edinburgh vaults and I wasn't too familiar with what the vaults were but I had heard that they were definitely uh, known for being haunted 
So what the vaults are is they're built into a bridge um, called South Bridge. And within the archways of the bridge, they decided to use that negative space when they built uh, shops and, you know, buildings um, on top of the bridge, you know, to use those as workshops for, you know, people to create their products and so on and so forth. And probably to also house storage and such under all this free space pretty much. Uh, the other thing was uh, that worked for a little while, but then uh, the bridge was built really cheaply so they didn't waterproof it. So when it would rain, and it rains a lot obviously, the vaults would just flood. Everyone relocated. So the space was vacant. You can imagine what kind of started to happen then. All of the criminals and homeless start to move in pretty much and kind of make the vaults their homes. And this was done for quite some time. Up until the point where the vaults were considered not to be safe anymore and were closed off. And that takes us through to the 1980s where they were rediscovered and actually opened as a tourist attraction. Not a ton is known about the activity that went on in the vaults because it was kind of illegal. They weren't meant to be living there. You know, there was people without homes and so on. So there was no real indication. But they have an idea from what was left behind. It was believed that there were like illegal bars. People were apparently, you know, bringing bodies down. There was a lot of grave robbing. And those times, and also just murder as well. But I know for a fact people would rob graves and sell them to universities and such. It was quite a, uh, a thing at the time. So there was a lot going on in these vaults. You know, skip forward to now, and they run tours down the vaults. And it kind of reminded me, well, on this holiday as well, we also did the catacombs, and that's a whole other thing. But it was a bit like that, you know, you go down quite a few stairs and then you're underground, but you're kind of not because you're within the bridge walls, but... Regardless, uh, you're in these very small rooms, very confined. Uh, obviously, because they're in archways, the rooms get smaller towards the end. So it's a very interesting location. It definitely feels it's it's quite spooky, to be perfectly honest. Like they didn't have, they do have electricity down there, but they don't actually have any lights turned on. They just have like candles. So they're definitely painting a scene. But I'm going to play you some EVPs, and I'm not sure what these are, and they're not recorded very well at all. I'm not sure what year they're from. I can't really tell you much about them other than uh, apparently these are actually from the vaults. So have a listen to this and I'll tell you what um, apparently these EVPs are saying. We would like to thank all resident spirit for making us feel welcome tonight. Won't you welcome us back? So it's believed that one there is saying murder should be dead, stab him. There's also a second one as well here, and these will both be on the blog, so you can check that out. Can you please come forward and tell us if you die here, if you die in these vaults? Are you muffled? Now, this one's... Very odd. This one almost sounds quite, I don't know, I'm not going to say demonic, but something, you know, maybe more along those lines. It doesn't sound like it's a human voice at all. So it doesn't, it doesn't particularly sound like, it sounds like it's been slowed down, almost dragged out and stretched. It doesn't sound like something that a regular human would produce, which does make me believe that maybe this isn't something that is human. So I'm just believed to say, I hate you at first, yes. And then uh, they think they're saying some names, either Ian and Jane, potentially. Are you muffled? 
It's interesting down there as well because they actually have a whole room um, for pagans that's, you know, locked off to the public and uh, pagans go down and practice witchcraft and they've actually blessed a circle that's uh, pretty much like a rock formation on the ground and it's believed that any of the negative entities down there have been pretty much, uh, that's their space within those rocks. That's what they've given them so they can kind of go on. Um, People can go through and not be bothered by any of these negative entities. So what's what has been said to be seen down there? There's an entity down there called the Watcher or Mr. Boots and he is a shadow that is seen to be pretty much just watching people while they're in the vaults. People also uh, believe that they've seen a apparition of a man as well with boots. I also believe they've heard the sound of footsteps probably produced by the sound of boots. I know my tour guide told a story of a tour going on down in the vaults uh, of school children and I don't believe it was meant to be a ghost tour per se. It was probably more of an educational kind of day tour type thing. But obviously it's dark down there all the time so it would be still eerie. But um, while they were down there, either the candles they were using or the electricity they were using down there actually went off in that particular room and they weren't able to get the lights to come back on so the tour guide pretty much had to direct them all out uh, in the pitch black. So all the kids linked arms, grabbed hands and um, exited the vaults. Um, and then the last boy to come out said, uh, you have to go back down because there's someone who's still left down there. They had my hand and they let go before we, you know, exited up the stairs. So then, you know, the staff went back down, searched the whole vaults. No one's down there. And they kind of said, well, what do you mean? Like, you sure there was some behind you? Like, there definitely was. This uh, small, another kid um, was scared and they'd grab my hand. And obviously that's not the case. There was no other child. Definitely worth checking out. I like getting to go to somewhere a little bit different. You know, it's not just, say, a regular building. You're actually in a location that's, you know, has only been open for the last 30 or so years, or 40 technically now, um, and it was almost forgotten about. Now getting to go and explore, it's really interesting. So I do like getting to go to these different spots and where it's, you know, a little less conventional, I could say, but definitely um, a great reason to be haunted. One thing I love about being away is getting to go and do ghost tours. You know, it's, I think it's like anything, right? When you go away, you're more likely to do things because you're on holiday. It's costing you money to be there. You want to get as much out of it as possible. So I find this is a great time for me to go and actually do a lot of ghost tours such as the, you know, the Edinburgh Vaults, the Tower of London, uh, and obviously just the day-to-day riding on the tube. Um, these are the only spots I kind of went to that are sort of worth mentioning, I think, you know. There's definitely a few spots where I believed probably had, you know, some interesting history, but these are kind of, you know, what stand out. And I think it's great when you do travel because you do do things that are kind of different. You know, I, I would do a ghost tour anywhere, really, but it's, it really opens my eyes to seeing all these tourists. And a lot of people, you know, especially in Scotland, were actually just from other parts of the UK, you know, but um, seeing, yeah, these different different walks of life all interested in the same thing. And it really opens my eyes to, I forget sometimes how many people are interested in the paranormal, you know. I think it's that, it's that really thing like people are curious you know people are so obsessed with the dead they want to know what the fuck happens to us when it when we die is there a heaven 
you know, is there any potential that they do, you know, end up becoming a uh, spirit that has to walk the earth, you know, I think all these curiosities really run through people's minds and I think that really shows when there's, you know, these tours are being sold out like every night um, and it really just makes me like realise even, you know, a great example and like I don't know if I'll speak about this in a later episode but I think I might. Um, I've been looking a lot into like the ancient alien theory um, since sort of like going to Stonehenge and I know that they all joke there about the theory of, um, ancient astronauts and so on. They don't call them that, but, um, they, I don't think it's still too, I don't think that's a, that bizarre of a theory, you know, when, when this thing outdates, you know, the written language, um, I think really any theory is kind of on the table uh, until sort of proven otherwise. But I think even going to Stonehenge and seeing how busy it is there and like the reason I'm there is because, yeah, it is obviously quite a historical site, but the mystery behind it, people don't know why it's there. I don't know why the fuck anyone else is there, um, to be perfectly honest. But for me, it's like this thing shouldn't really exist, but yet it does. Um, and I don't know if that's for everyone else, but when you go to these interesting sites, even like, you know, as I said, Loch Ness, people are going to that. There's there's a ton of other locks in Scotland, but can anyone name them? No, they're going because of this, this uh, you know, of these sightings of this monster. So I love getting to go like kind of around the world and you see these spots and you go, people are here for the exact same reason. Either they, they might not believe, but it's, you know, history uh, that surrounds these sites that people want to go regardless because they're curious. And it just excites me because, you know, you're listening to this, so you're obviously somewhat interested in the paranormal. You might love it. You might just have that mild curiosity. I love it, obviously. So it really gets me excited and... Um, I think a lot of things of that holiday did kind of, you know, spark a lot of um, creativity and a lot of excitement just about a lot of other things too. But definitely get into uh, just go and see different aspects and, you know, get into sort of come back with more knowledge um, that I can pass on with the podcast, you know, is so exciting. I think it's it's great to be able to do that. So that's where I'm kind of going to leave. I only touched on three locations because <laughs> there are so many spots, but I thought I would just kind of talk about the things that I sort of witnessed. Um, well, I didn't witness anything. I feel like um, I feel like on my American or even the Australian episode of this, uh, I actually had some experiences to sort of pass on. Um, it wasn't really like that this time. I heard a bunch of stories uh, and saw a bunch of interesting things and I could see how these places are haunted. Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, thank you for being so patient with me getting back on the podcast bandwagon. As I said, uh, usually what happens is a new episode every fortnight and um, for the next little while, I don't see why that can't be the case. So I'm looking forward to getting back into it and uh, you know, looking forward to another year just full of the unusual and the unexplained. So thank you guys so much for listening and I hope to catch you in another podcast real soon. Thanks. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.